talked about with Mr. John Bosch. Uh, we want to talk, discuss a little bit of our, our trade strategy. Um, you know, we, uh, w- we've been thinking about this for a while now, and we love to, um, you know, do trades. I think that's one of the most exciting aspects of a salary cap league is being able to, you know, negotiate around contracts, make blockbuster deals that totally change the aspect of the league. So we're super excited to get into it. Clark, why don't you lead us off, my friend? Okay, Dave. Um, like you mentioned, we talked about some of the stuff with Bosch, but I wanted to pose some questions to you guys uh, regarding your strategies. And one of the first things I thought about, and I don't know if this is something we have to talk about, and I'm kind of throwing this at you guys, just kind of you know, throwing a curveball at you, but what do you guys consider baseline for trading, right? Um, because between salary cap leagues, there has to be a comparison of some sort, right? like a certain percentage for a certain amount of years. Mm. So, so what would you, what kind of a contract value would you give like uh, like the 106, right? What percent in how many years is the 106 worth to you? Oof, that's such a tough question. Um, okay, just I'm going to put it into context for you guys. The, the, the middle... Salary value, the average or the middle salary value, average salary value. I mean, you have a whole bunch of really cheap guys and you have a few highly priced guys. The middle salary value, middle year amount from our league was $500 two years. I, I rounded just a little bit to make it a nice even number. So it's an average. It's an average. The guys that were those type of players, the, the middle scoring player in our league was 148 points. And it just so happened to be three Patriots because you don't know who to pick of the Patriots. Julian Edelman, Sony Michelle, and Rob Gronkowski, three guys that scored 148 points. So if you had Julian Edelman, $500 for two years, is he worth the 106? Um, yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, so that's 5% of your salary cap. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. 5%, guarantee me those numbers, done deal. Okay, Matt, you you cannot answer that because you have a biased opinion. I was going to say no. No, You're going to say no. Tell us why, please. Uh, With those three guys, I mean, Gronk, who knows? He's done. I know we're using this as an example. Patriots offensive guys in fantasy are tough. And again, I know it's an example. Um, I'm kind of where I'm at. I'm in a rebuild and I want years. I want youth. And to me, you know, that's more valuable than. Than those three guys, I guess. But I know that's an example. I'm going to be sending you some trades later on tonight, Matt. (laughs) So Edelman, Edelman, Gronk, yeah. Hey, if you could build a of those $500 players just a core of you know a few people you can swap in and out every week and then you have a stud or two thrown in there and then some cheapies thrown in there that's a solid core to have with those $500 players isn't it let's just argue that 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 player is either a wide receiver two or a running back two is that is that running back two for $500 for two years worth the 106 I think think so 148 points. I see. I, think I don't. I have the. I have two top five picks this year, and I wouldn't trade either for. Take the names out of it. Those stats you just gave me in the contract. 
I'm well, going to be doing that. Matt, Matt. So well, like, you, the you, reason, have, you have two Matt. top five picks, and what, what are you having to pay those two top five picks? And those are rookies, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. If someone came to me tonight with Julian Edelman for the fifth overall pick, I'm not doing that trade. Well, yeah, because our league, our league is geared towards youth and it's a it's a rookie heavy like approach because our guarantee our contracts are guaranteed but we're talking like overall in general right. would you invest a rookie pick you know and trust a rookie pick over a guy that you know is a known commodity and is going to be producing for 2 years at least and then you're out of him it's like right. you don't have a long term commitment i think our league kind of skews it to youth heavy but we're i think we're talking about general and overall arcing just forming a baseline strategy. just getting a baseline for what's the one we'll take our league out of it yeah right. if you're going ba- yeah yeah baseline you want the proven baseline the proven let's player. just say for the argument's sake it's either a, a higher end wide receiver two or a higher end rb2 for 500 in two years a replaceable guy but not a bad player for the 106 but again, I think it's tough because it's league specific mm-hmm. because I'm right. So I, I just, I took over an orphan and there is no rookie picks. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's tough to tell, but I think, I think what you're, you're kind of getting at is a baseline value for a rookie pick. And that, I mean, I guess that makes sense if we're going to use that as a tool to kind of gauge where people's or players values are in trades and that kind of thing. A rough tool. So, um, well, and, and the reason I brought that up is because you have to have some sort of a comparison or a basis. And like you said, there are times when it's appropriate or that you're looking to trade away guys and there's times that you're acquiring guys. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys what you guys really look for um, at times of the season. When do you know that you're going to transition between, okay, you know, I, I am not this team that's going to make the playoffs. I'm going to convert and I'm going to start selling away those those veterans trying to acquire the rookie picks or go in the other direction? When are you going to try to make your playoff push? At what time of the year are you deciding to pull some tra- trade triggers? Uh, Eric, let's start with you. Yeah, it's all about being realistic, man. Uh, going back to what you were saying about uh, the previous question was, first of all, that's 5% of your salary cap. If you can guarantee me 20 of those players – I want all 20 of those players. I'll spend 100% of my salary cap on 25% players, and I'll be very happy with that. But if doing that strategy or whatever strategy I employ for the season, sorry, that whatever strategy I employ for the season, if I feel like I'm out of the playoff contention realistically, like if I look and there's a juggernaut, and I know there, there's no way I can beat this juggernaut, I'm going to trade my high money players trying to get draft picks trying to get those futures trying to lower my salary cap let me go into free agency with money to get whoever it is i want but when do you decide when do you decide when you can get out of your own way and see that you're just not a contender man Mm -hmm. it's you have to get out of your own way and be realistic you know nfl teams have to do it you have to be realistic like all right at this point i'm playing for next season it's when it's I'm on the playoff bubble, but I'm going up against some juggernauts, and the other guy on the bubble has some really easy players, has some really easy teams to go against. Try to make some trades with the other team on the bubble. You know what I mean? See if if they're going to go all in. Yeah. If they're willing to go all in, be like, all right, fine. I'll 
I'll suck it up this year and make a play for next year. I it's really hard for me to be that player. I really want to be that team every year that's kind of on the bubble. It makes it more fun and then make the playoffs and surprise everybody. I want to be that team. So I'm the guy that buys when it comes to time coming towards playoff. If I'm on the bubble, so is another team. I'll buy your expensive players. I'll make that playoff push. But then the next year, you have to understand that next year, you're building for the year after. If you Mm -hmm. do that, you're building for the next year after. Matt, when do you, uh, when, when is your cue? I mean, I mean, Eric identified pre playoffs, like just, you know, when you're staring playoffs down the barrel and, and you don't think you have a shot, are you pulling the trigger earlier? Okay. Yeah. So I, like he said, you got to identify it early. If you're a fringe playoff team, you you got to decide, you know, can I get in this tournament and go on a run? What's it really worth? Um, what are you giving up and getting back? You know, I think the, the playoffs have become really, unless there's a juggernaut team, those last few weeks of the season, I mean, it's kind of anyone's game. I think if you can get in it and you're you're already established that you're a good team, you're not a rebuild I say go for it. If you're clearly a rebuild, you got to identify that early. Like me last year, there was no shot I was getting the playoffs last year. So I'm building, I was building for this upcoming year, a year ago this time. Um, so, you know, I think if you can get in the playoffs, you got to get in the playoffs because you can, in a dynasty league, especially, it can be a long time. You know, things happen. If you're a bubble team, you got to go for it and you can identify that early on. I mean, we all know you can be realistic about your team. If you can find someone that isn't realistic about theirs, send them some trade offers, but um, you just got to do some self-evaluation and really know going into it realistically, you know? So I don't think it's ever too early, but if you get into the season, you're a bubble team. I say, go for it. So So how about last year in our league, there was that team that looked like a juggernaut. No one was going to be, and you're on the bubble in that situation. Are you the one buying and trying to beat that unbeatable team? Well, I don't think you necessarily – I don't, you don't have to do either necessarily. I mean, if you get an offer that, that works for you and you think you can go for it, go for it. I don't think you mortgage the future in that case, you know, but it all depends on the deal, the players, and what you're giving up and what you're getting back. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's so situational. But uh, I'm from the camp. If you can get in the tournament, get in the tournament. What about you, Dave? I mean, are are you going to sell? Are you talking everything? about cer- yeah. there are certain times in the season where it's it's a good time to make a move? Yeah. What's your cue? When do you know that you're contending? When do you know that you're 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 stocking up for next year? Mm. I mean, I'm never. I mean, I'll see if I'm contending when it gets close to playoff time. But if I if I even have a sniff at making a run at it, I'll I'll buy. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always be a buyer. I'm not going to, unless I'm absolutely out of it, I'm not really planning to, you know, load up for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on where my record is. So like in our league, let's just take that as an example because we use that a lot. Um, I I was like eight and eight, I think, because um, we have some double header weeks and that kind of thing. So it was like maybe a week or two outside of the playoffs. I And I bought Keenan Allen for a first like off of Matt because like, you know, he wasn't using him and I figured, Hey, if I got Keenan Allen, I got, I locked up a, you know, wide receiver one and that might help 
take me above the edge because you never like kind of you never really know what injuries are going to happen and i'll take a shot because you know matchups change i mean every like people that had Gurley, like the guy that finished second in our league figured like oh god he's like a shoe in because he's got you know he's got Gurley to go but you never know like people can get injured people can get suspended um just give me a shot a crack at it i'd rather be in the winner's bracket bracket than the loser's bracket um so but i mean as far as times of the season there's mm-hmm. always a trade to be made no matter what time of the year it is in my opinion yeah. and i think this time of year too it's like everyone has that new car smell everyone thinks they can contend everyone thinks they're gonna have a good draft and you know can you be realistic at this time of the year sure but i think everyone kind of has that that feeling that okay i'm buying i'm doing it this is the year i can make a run um I don't put myself in this camp this year. This team's still year two of the rebuild, but um, it's never too early to identify what your team is and, w- and what your needs are. Well, let's follow that up, Matt. What's your kind of your general approach to trading? Um, you know, it, let's just say you're kind of a, a, well, regardless of your situation, are you are you out there just working trades as much as you can? Are you kind of a little more passive? What's your approach? I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of right in the middle. I feel like I'm very passive. I'm very careful with what I do and it's all calculated. Um, You know, if I'm, if I get an offer, you know, I look at it all. I look at, you know, the team situation, you know, the real life team situation, contract situation, coach situation. Um, You know, I I tend to be passive and and very conservative, but I also want to trade. And last year, especially in my rebuild, I needed players I had cap room, I had draft picks, so, you know, they're not always there, you know, the opportunities aren't always there, so when they come, you have to, you know, you can't miss one, because I missed a few last year that that really hurt looking back on now, um, so it's tough, you got to be conservative, you got to be aggressive, you just have to find that right approach that's right for you, but personally, I, I'm in that passively aggressive stage right now, I guess we'll call it. You know what? He doesn't get to play our game. But that's that was a good question. You posed it to him a lot better. I mean that. I'm piggybacking off with some of the the prep that Dave had done with our our discussion with Bosch. Um, Dave self admitted that he is more of a hustler. Yes. And yes. So Dave self-proclaimed. Ex- self-proclaimed. Yes. So Dave, like expand on that. What what does that mean when you're kind of identifying yourself as a hustler? So. I mean, a hustler is is willing to take a lot of risk, I would say. Um, they look smarter than they really are, and that's me. <laughs> so I'm always willing to make a move. I want to leverage recency in every situation possible. So I take my situation out of it. I try to remove myself from my personal team, and I want to look, and I'm for, more focusing on the other people in my league than I am on myself. I want to know who's feeling the pain, who is maybe willing to give um, a lower value on a player or highly more highly value a player that I have and leverage a situation, whether it's an injury or whether it's uh, somebody getting you know, into uh, the playoffs or making a championship run. I'm always looking for a way I can leverage and get the best value. 
out of a trade. And that usually is me approaching another team. Um, and that's fine. And I might think that I'm like getting the better end of the deal. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but when it does, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge get. So that's, that's what I mean by being a, a, a hustler. I'm not waiting for the league to come to me. I'm aggressively approaching other people with a solution to their quote unquote problem. Well, okay. So if you're kind of the, you know, you're more aggressive, what what kind of opportunities are you looking for? What do you, what are you trying to identify as situations that you could take advantage of while trading? What what's a good opportunity? Uncertainty. So, um, if a player has a has if if a if an owner has a player that their contract might be a little bit higher and there's a little bit of shakiness around that player, um, I can work to leverage that. Uh, people that have bad contracts and are hamstrung against doing other moves. I mean, if there's a way for me to take that on at a really good value, I'm okay with doing that. Um, I'm leveraging people that are trying to make a playoff run if I'm out of it. Um, getting players off of IR, getting young assets, um, setting myself up better for the future. You know, I, I was able to get out of Andrew Luck's contract, which was 18% of our salary, and um, get Cam Newton in return plus plus plus, and Cam Newton was paid less than half of Andrew Luck. That's like kind of the the opportunity I'm looking for. But I'm not able to make that trade if I don't identify somebody else's problem, kind of squeeze it a little bit, remind them of how shitty it is, and they're like, "Hey, oh by the way, I'll I'll take this guy off your hands or whatever." Like I'm okay looking a year or two down the road. And making a deal like that to to help my team in the long run and also help the other team. And you were able to leverage that luck because you took on that luck contract and I called you crazy. And you got to even look long term for that, that, okay, if I can get X amount of time on him and you said that return you got for him, that's huge. So by taking on taking that risk the year prior or how long have you had luck? You got him mid year this year before the year. Yeah, I got him before the year. So that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, that was pretty, I traded that was Josh Doxson for Andrew yeah. Luck in a Superflex league, and Josh Doxson is hasn't done shit. And like, I, I'm okay with doing that because the person that had him was not able to make literally any moves because that was the most expensive contract, and he didn't know he wasn't willing to approach and try to make trades to make it happen. Like, I think a lot of people in salary cap leagues give up because they feel like it's a dead end road. Like I have, everybody's on a five year deal. They're too expensive. There's nothing I can do. Well, pay attention to the other people in your league because there's other people that might feel the pain more than you. And if you can disconnect yourself from your personal roster situation and identify those hot buttons, you can get better value for those players. Yeah, there's always a trade to be made. There's always a trade to be made. So aside from a, a like a bad or a painful looking contract, Matt, is there a, something else that you'd kind of be looking for uh, that you're kind of squeeze or take advantage of? Yeah, I think you have to going back to the real life situation. Um, you know, a contract might look good in in our salary cap league or dynasty league, and then you got to go to the real life. All right, this team's in shambles. The guys uh, just got paid. Is he gonna? You know, they just signed a new quarterback or it's a running back. The O-line's in shambles. I mean, 
I look at a lot of that real life stuff, maybe to a fault, um, and, and really take that into account on my end of, um, we'll call it the real life situation. Um, I think alternatively, the big, the ones you can go after, like upcoming free agents that are in a good spot, that are playing for a contract, um, that in our league might have a nice contract or someone might be looking to get rid of them or not need them. You know, you know, guys that are, you know, good players in the NFL, they're in a contract year, you know, goes mm-hmm. for any sport. They're going to be prone to, you take that risk, they're going to have a bigger season because they're playing for their next contract. Um, so I, I like to look at that real life stuff a lot. Like I said, maybe to a fault. But I'd be curious to know if anyone else does that or if I'm the only one that, that kind of looks at that, that side of it. Eric's saying, yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. look ahead. Yeah. I look at real life, man. If they're in a contract year, they have all the incentive in the world to play for their livelihood. They're playing for them. They're playing for the family. They're playing for that next paycheck. They want it. They want it bad. Mm-hmm. I also look at um, real world as in they're having problems on and off the field. Like I brought up Odell Beckham in the off season, or I'm sorry, in the season before. I don't like his attitude. His team doesn't like his attitude. That team's having problems. Odell Beckham is one of the best wide receivers in the league, but you can't count on him week in, week out. He's tackling kickers' nets and then proposing to him the next week. He's in his brain. He's it, Dude's an idiot. You can't count on him week in, week out, yet he's one of the highest-paid players in fantasy football because he's one of the best receivers in fantasy football. But there's weeks that he just kills your team. That mm-hmm. that not necessarily on the field performance, that off the field performance, the the head games that he plays, I never want to own Odell Beckham on my team. For for that reason, it's the real world aspect of it, not the stats and numbers side of it. You got to look at the guy's mental space as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it all it all makes sense. Um, you know, looking at their contracts, um, you know, real world contracts. Uh, team situations obviously you know coaching changes uh players around them you know adding new players subtracting players um, is there anything we're missing uh anything we haven't covered that when you're looking at a, a player that you're considering trading away obviously if you're trading away you kind of have a little bit more insight but if, it, if, it's, if it's a guy you're trading for what else are you digging into to try to decide whether or not that's a player that you want to acquire you know, I think does he play pro- special teams? <laughs> <laughs> look at the look at those. No, no, it's it sounds funny. Look at those special teams players, man. For Atlanta, Taylor Gabriel was a special teams player. That dude was a beast. He went to Chicago. They hadn't used him right. It was his first year there. It's fine. He's gonna be big in Chicago. But if they play special teams, they have hands, especially if they turn into receivers. If it's an offensive player that play, plays special teams. You can get them on the cheap because everybody looks at them as a special teams player. Get them on the cheap, sign them to a two-year contract, something that's not going to kill your team, and you know just ha- have them locked up for those two years. If they don't work out, they don't work out. It doesn't kill you, but if they work out, you found gold. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think? Um, as far as not quite on the team, but as far as like in within your salary cap league. I think it's interesting to when you're looking at someone to trade with is looking at how how did that owner come into that player? Because I think, you know, we're all tied Ooh, to guys yeah, that yeah. we draft and that we grow or that we sign in free agency. If you can find a guy that say was a throw in 
in a deal he did to get someone else. Um, you know, you got to kind of not too, too much, but look into how they acquired that player and what that player, that might affect their value to that owner. Yeah, like how, he might not be as valuable as he ought to be just because they didn't pay much for him. Right, or if yeah, he was so- throwing on a deal and, you know, or if it was a draft pick that was thrown in, something like that, and, you know, you might get a, a read that, okay, this guy is not, he's not mm-hmm. in love with him, and I, I might be able to take him if you have a, a read on it or a, a guy you like, and you kind of got to research how that player got on that team, I think. Mm-hmm. Dave, is there anything else you're looking at for value, or are, is there something else that you want to give us, like a, a some other rules of thumb that you're thinking about, maybe not player specific, but like within dealing with the league specifically? Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously every league is different, but I will just say it's something that you can keep in mind with every single league, and that is every player has value. It is just a matter of how how much of a value, you know. It is according to the contract that you can get him for. Um, if you can sign guys for no money, if you can sign guys for half of your half of a percent of your cap, like I'm o- totally okay with having as many players as possible, as many shots at the as many cracks at the bat. There's a lot of salary cap leagues that don't that have a like a large roster size, but most people are only using a third of it. I'm okay with you know, getting 10 guys that may not turn into anything with a chance to get one guy that could really turn into a, not a stud, but a valuable piece, a valuable asset. There's people like that all over the place. So I I would just say, fill up your roster, Mm -hmm. you know, take a shot, take a lot of different shots for cheap and see if anything uh, pans out. And you can do that too. If you look at a guy on another team, the guy hasn't started them in six weeks. You know, you, you could see value in that too. Like, all right, this owner hasn't played him in six weeks. You see a value to him. Like you said, you want to build your roster. Someone you can take a shot at too and maybe be able to get, you know, for a, a good value. Well, what if a what if a trade comes your way or, or you know, especially if a trade comes your way, um, are you always looking to take advantage of a good deal regardless of what it does for your roster? Or are, are there points in time when you say, you know what, I'm not going to do any of these deals. Even if it's a great deal, I'm not going to do it because it doesn't advance what my team's trying to do. No, are there time? Uh, I, I, I will make my roster work around mm-hmm. the right value. I mean, I'm okay with, I, I'm okay with cutting three guys to get a player if I feel like it's a good value. I mean, I don't I'm really like that's why I like taking a lot of different shots at uh, a lot of shots at different players. And we can get into startup strategy next episode. But um, I'm totally OK with that. Like at the start of every season, I have way more guys on my team than I need to. And that's mm-hmm. on purpose because I want to have flexibility. And most of the time when you have a player at the minimum, he's cut for pretty much nothing. So there's no risk involved in that. Um, so that that's, that's totally fine. If I, if I have 10 guys, 10 million, whatever, or, you know, 15% that I can cut to make room for a stud because somebody wants to get rid of them. That's fine. Now, obviously if you have, if you literally cannot make that trade work, you can't make that trade work. But, you know, I, I always try to build my rosters 
to be as flexible as I can so I can take advantage of situations as they come up. Mm -hmm. So you're willing to mid season, you know, middle we're playing, you know, week six, week seven, you're willing to, to kind of rearrange or or reshuffle your team's starting roster. If a a good enough deal comes along. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt, Eric, are you guys, I get you guys rigid, like, Hey, you got a starting roster. I don't need another wide receiver. So I'm going to pass. Or are you guys still going to go after those sweet deals if they fall on your lap? Eric. Well, I, um, the the question you originally posed kind of sounded like even if it doesn't necessarily move your roster forward, it's a great deal. You got to take it right. That's kind of how I took that question. And it's I'm not interested in a lateral movement. I don't care how the deal is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care how good the value of a player is. If it's a lateral movement, I don't give a shit. It needs to free up roster space or a salary cap or it needs to be that good of a player. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm not making a lateral movement. If I don't see my team moving forward, I'm not making the trade. That whether it's moving forward this year or in future years, I I don't want to move left or right. I want to move from back to forward. I mean, that being said, you got you got to look at you know the contract years of whatever player it is you're getting versus what you're giving up. Mm-hmm. If the contract years work out versus the salary paid to them, sure, it might set me back this year and make me move forward next year. Absolutely. That's not a lateral movement. That's planning for your future. But if it's just, nah, this trade doesn't really affect me that much. Let's me get rid of three players and acquire them into one or vice versa. But it's the same points being scored for my team on a weekly starting base. That's a lateral movement. I don't give a shit about that. I'm not, I'm not making that. I'm going to make them throw something in that makes me feel like my team's getting better. So like even in the off season, um, like for me personally, in the off season, I don't care what my team looks like. If somebody comes to me and I have, if I had eight starting wide receivers and somebody offered me a ninth, if the deal's that good, I'm taking on the ninth wide receiver because I don't care. Now mm-hmm. in the season, yeah, you know, starting roster is a little bit more in effect, but uh, I will take anything well, and everything that comes my way. Well, if you have eight starting wide receivers in the off season. Typically, you're playing the shotgun approach. You're going to go based on matchups and week to week, and that wouldn't necessarily be a lateral movement in that trade. If you're playing the shotgun approach, then sure, a ninth receiver couldn't hurt because they could have a better schedule and you know, you plug them in four out of five weeks instead of this other guy that you were plugging in. That wouldn't be lateral. Now, if you have your setup where it's like, okay, I have these set players that are going to play 90% of the year, and then it's, you know, two or three other players that you're plugging in, depending on matchups, and you're going to give me a third or fourth one? Nah, it, it's cool. I'll stay. It, that's a lateral movement. If you're going to give me another player to play, I want somebody that I can play weekly instead of playing matchups at that so point. So when, mm-hmm. when, I, when I was talking about, about you know, taking shots on a lot of guys, I'm, I'm saying I'm building around my core players. So, like, I'm... Right. I'm not meaning that every single one of my guys are minimum contract total shots in the dark. I'm obviously got a core of guys that are my starting roster, but I'm talking about five guys to fit into my WR3 and three okay. guys that could be my RB3. I'm saying like I'm I'm I get frustrated when I see a team that has 10 guys, 90% of the salary cap tied up and will not add anybody else. Like so, my team it, last year. 
Right. Your <laughs> yes, team last year. Like, yes. Why not, yeah, I, why I, not pick I screwed up, up for the initial draft, and I will completely own that, and that was my team the past two but years. That's okay. it's, it, but that's yeah. okay because you can get five guys on minimum contracts that literally nobody wants, but they're still NFL players, and they still have an opportunity. Like You can – you can look and see who's coming up off of free agency. You could have got Josh Reynolds for literally nothing last season. And that could have definitely helped a guy that had 95% of his cap already tied up. Cause you can get three or four guys for basically the minimum. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you can have a core of guys that you pay and I'm even okay with having a super heavy contract, but you know, those guys are still valuable. I'm just saying like they, they they can't decrease in value if they're worth literally nothing. They can only increase, and it's right. no risk to but, cut. But those we're talking. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about trades. Like, yeah, if I had acquired them off the waiver wire ahead of you or whatever, that's fine. But in terms of trades, in order to get him, I would have had to trade something, and all my guys are ever paid, and you wouldn't have wanted them. So I'm, I'm talking, talking about trades. Talking about I'm trades, talking about assets I can sell. Right. Like it, well, right. It's, right. It's, it's, like, if you're selling to me, I have to have something to send to you as well. And if all my guys are ever paid, you're going to have to either take a hit or I'm going to have to include money as well, in which case I'm making a lateral movement. I have this overpaid guy, and I'm going to have to send you money just to make your salary cap work out for getting your cheap guy. Or you're going to send your cheap guy and some other shit to free up cap space for you to get my expensive overpaid guy or or a draft pick or whatever. The money's still going to have to work out. So either way, that's a lateral movement. Well, it's a, and it's at a, that point, that's a, that's it's not a worth very it. specific situation i i and yes like you know there's obvious scenarios like that where it couldn't work but i mean it i'm just saying it is over as an overarching strategy i think we've no, really you're kind of you're absolutely to death, right. but at your, over, no. at your overarching strategy of course trade to get those kind of shots and if they don't work out they don't cost you anything it doesn't matter that's great you you got a shot and hey when one works out you look like a genius it looks great, and it benefits your team greatly for years to come. If it looks like a lateral movement in terms of money and contract or whatever, I'm just saying don't worry about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lateral movement. Who gives a shit about moving left or right? Well, I think that yeah. one of the things that Dave has kind of maybe one of the undertones suggested is he's keeping part of his roster fluid so that he can make trades with guys. Dave, it kind of sounds like that. Is that what you're kind of getting at is, is you want to keep some yep. guys – and some salary committed to being able to move. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like going, I'm not purposely selling my guys. Like I said, like in the beginning, I'm looking for situations to take advantage of and I'm okay with moving any part of my roster. If I think the value is there, like, and that's, and I'm okay. And I will, I was, I was thinking about this in the back of my head. I'm okay with a quote unquote lateral move if the perceived value of the player I'm, I'm getting is more than what I'm paying for him. Um, and I know it's kind of like a little complex to like unpack, but let's just say, for example, I traded, which I did in, in one league, a Matt Stafford for Josh Allen. And I'm not saying contracts, like I'm contracts aside. That's pretty lateral. You're I right. It is totally lateral, but Josh Allen's value is higher. So I'm okay with making that lateral move because the player I received was worth more than the player I gave up. Even though production-wise, it's probably the same. I flipped him for somebody else that I liked even better because his value was higher. 
Does that make sense? Like, I'm okay with doing that if I can. That's why I'm always fluid. I'm always like looking for the best value. I'm like okay with making trades like that. Well, like, I don't. I'm well, not married to any asset on my team. Well, something I learned to help you keep in the position that you were in, and it's a great position to be in. I know the other position, and it sucks that I can't make a trade because I don't have the money available and all my payers are ever played. It, it, keep like 10% either available for free agents or tied up in players that you can trade that you're just not married to. The cheapy players that if they work out, great. If they don't, whatever, they could eventually work out. Somebody's going to want them. If you have 30 people on your 12-man roster, you can trade a lot of them if you're not married to them. And if you have them on the low salaries, they look very appealing to the people that have shit on their roster. So if you well, if you can set aside like 10% of your yeah. salary just for fun, is it's your fun money. It's really injuries, and, too. And if, like, it, that's very, the very biggest true. thing. Very mm -hmm. true. That greatly helps with injuries. But you know when you don't have to worry about injuries is when you trade some of these players for somebody good and somebody on your team gets injured and you have another good player to plug them in instead of 10 iffy players week to week. Well, I mean, it, it, let me swing this over to Matt. If we're talking about salary and, you know, you, some of these trades involve having salary associated with them, like either receiving salary or trading salary how willing are you to trade away salary? I mean, is it something that is like the last thing you're going to do or, Hey, I'll throw it around. If I'm not a contender, I can afford to spend it. Yeah, I think exactly. I think if, if you can get a player and your value on that player, I think it's like Dave said, the perceived value salary is kind of the last thing you're looking at if you can afford it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you have to be willing as much as we mind the cap and you want to watch the cap you have to kind of make that a second thing. Cause if you think this guy is a player that can help your team, you know, short term, long term, what price do you put on that salary to me is kind of, you know, obviously you want to be mindful of it, but you know, there's only a handful of guys in, in our league or in any league, they're going to be that real top tier salary. Those mm -hmm. guys don't get traded much. So generally the trade market is going to be, you know, the salary is not a huge, factor in, in that sense that i found mm -hmm. so you're not afraid of those mega contracts um no not terribly i mean i did a trade me and eric did one with Le'Veon bell and david johnson they'll say i i can trade you Le'Veon bell back if you're not yeah, afraid of the I big mean, contract i i was i was i was afraid of it going into the year but my team was structured in a way where it didn't didn't kill me you know 2200 bucks for mm -hmm. i didn't play a snap i still had the most cap space all year so Granted, I didn't spend it. I was saving it for this year because I was going to try to move Bell, and I was able to. I've got David Johnson out sixteen hundred dollars, and it doesn't it doesn't scare me. And maybe that's because of the position I'm in, and I tried to put myself in. Um, you know, if I'm paying Eli Manning a thousand dollars, okay, we're having a different conversation. But you know, salary to me is not. You know, mm -hmm. I can trade you Derek Carr too. Yeah, you know, we we've gone we've gone over this. <laughs> well, so I don't know. I mean, it, yes, you have to mind the cap, but if there's a guy you like, really like, and he's really going to help your team, and you're getting a good trade, salary is the last thing you should be looking at. Well, man, Dave, if, if you got to throw in a few bucks of cash this year to make your team look good for the next few years, 
they win that few bucks of cash, man. You can make a cut in the offseason between this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Drop some of your, you know, 10% players, drop a couple of those $100 players. And now you can afford this stud. He's going to out your $100 players that you drop aren't going to equal what you just paid for, ideally, right. if you're making a smart trade and have to throw in a few bucks cash. Right. And generally, but, if you're if you're trading a guy with a really high salary, generally it's going both ways. There's not many trades that you're going to trade a guy with a top 5% salary for a yeah, guy or, with a, a rookie deal or something like that. So it, it kind of evens out. $600 difference. It was yeah. it was Le'Veon Bell twenty two hundred and sixteen hundred for David Johnson. So it's yeah. a six hundred dollar difference. But David Johnson had killed me two years in a row. I wasn't feeling it. Right. Le'Veon Bell had the higher contract. I like him. I don't care what team he goes to. It worked out for both of us. Mm-hmm. But if if one of us had to throw in cash to make it work, one of us would have thrown in cash to make it work. Well, Dave, you took on that big boy Andrew Luck salary, right? And yeah. you, obviously, you obviously weren't afraid of it. Is are you? Were you taking that on because it was a super flex and it was Andrew Luck? Or are you taking that on saying, look, you know what? I'm not afraid of this big salary. I know I can move it in the future. The reason, the reason, well, I'm not, I wasn't afraid of it because the way I constructed my roster, if I had all of my, if I had all of my salary tied up into eight players, then I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, Mm-hmm. It that's the, another reason why you need to like really. I would. I would rather invest a, in a lot of players rather than not a lot of players because mm-hmm. the NFL is such a variable sport. Injuries happen, players move, guys players retire, beat their girlfriends, rookies come in. Yeah, guys have domestic abuse issues, all that kind of crap. Or they like, win six Super Bowls and then retire. You know that happens too. Who's retiring? Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just saying like it's I would I would do it again and I would then look for an opportunity like if I do have a big contract, I would look for an opportunity to sell when somebody's willing to overpay and forget about the contract. So, I sold Andrew Luck to a contender that was going into the championship week. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to sell him to Eric or Matt because they're looking at like, okay, I have other players that I need to invest in all this stuff. You need to be able to leverage situations. And that's what I'm saying by being a hustler. I want to always look at that value and how I can leverage that to get the most, most out of, you know, the situation. Would it have been different if it was a different player instead of a quarterback and a super flex? What do you mean? If you had, uh, uh, Let's see, uh, wide receiver. Let's say you had. I'm I'm trying to think of a good example. You mean like would I've taken on Le'Veon Bell instead of Andrew Luck? Yeah, but did, did that, like that make a difference? Did it doesn't make a difference when you're considering those big contracts, the position? Well, I looked. I mean, I took I took on the contract. I, like I bought, um, I bought because I had a need at quarterback, and I saw a situation to where that was the biggest glaring pain that owner was feeling. So like, mm-hmm. it was just an opportunistic thing. Like that's, that's really, that's it. It's just, you know, you look for an opportunity, you jump on it. If you feel like it can help your team, mm-hmm. like I'll do it. And then I'll figure it out next year, like how to get out of it. Or I'll, well, or you I'll the, the situation presents itself every single year in a salary cap league. Mm-hmm. 
there's always somebody that wants to get out of some contract. People are going to get shuffled around like, and you can, if you can pick up a little extra juice on top, then that's just, you know, you just do it. Like you don't even think twice. You just, you make a trade if you can win. You felt Andrew Luck was back this year, right? You didn't think that injury was going to keep him from being Andrew Luck that he should be. It was worth right? the risk. I mean, even if he wasn't like, and everybody thought last off season, this guy might never play football again. I felt like it was worth the risk for his because he, he was my he, like he's in my opinion he before Patrick Mahomes showed up he was the best quarterback like in my opinion value wise value wise okay I'm not what saying salary Tom, I'm not saying he's better than Tom Brady in real life I'm saying that <laughs> value wise he was the most valuable when healthy so you like, picked what'd you, him up what'd you pay him this year was, what what'd you pay him this year eighteen 18 and a half percent. Okay. But you picked him I mean, up because you thought he was going to jump in value. That's the only reason that you got mm-hmm. into that contract. Cause you said, I can get him for cheap and I can turn around and flip him. Well, it was two. Simple. One, it was worth the risk because I needed a quarterback and because his value was so depressed and two, because I had enough flexibility with the way I built my roster that it didn't kill me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had, I had guys on, you know, I think my highest paid player was $800 at eight. So 8%. So like it it just made, it it just made more sense to me than really anybody else because that's the way I built my team. Well, so roster construction is a a big determining factor in how you kind of approach trades. Like Eric, you said that you're kind of, you're, you're fully invested in a bunch of players. So you really don't have a lot of cap room. Whereas Dave, you kind of you have a lot more wiggle room because you have some cheaper guys that are the cheaper, maybe easier to move, um, and so your two scenarios could be different. And Matt, I know that you've got you got a couple high price guys, but it seems like you have a lot of you got a lot of space in your roster that you can pick guys up. So right, I'm I'm kind of looking at it and say, okay, Eric, you're probably a guy who is not willing to trade away any cap money in a trade, right? So you're not going to say I'm going to give you well. You know, player a plus 200 bucks or player a plus 500 bucks to acquire another better player. Whereas Dave, you're more willing to do that. I mean, are you guys, is it, is it roster dependent or do you have something inside of you that says I will not trade salary cap? I wouldn't say I wouldn't trade salary cap. Uh, I'm more than willing. If there's somebody I want, I will forego my ability to get free agents to get that guy. Because Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned at this point, that is a free agent and I'm only giving up this guy plus money to get him. Yeah. I am tied up in like Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Julio Jones, Emmanuel Sanders is relatively cheap, but he's going to get franchised. So he's going to be 750 this year, which is 7.5% of my uh, salary cap, which is low to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the rest of my guys, you know, um, I got a running back, a wide receiver, and two quarterbacks that take up quite a bit of my salary cap. But if there's somebody, if I can get my core number of people, because it's the way that my my team is set up, to where that's kind of how I have to be. I have to have my core, and then the rest is going to be like Dave said, the shotgun approach. You know, it's in, invest some hundred, two hundred dollar picks and bids on people, and hope a couple of them pan out, or hope I can flip them, or trade some draft picks, whatever. But if somebody comes up and I can trade one of my 
whatever is and some salary cap for a, a known commodity. Yeah, I'll do it in a heartbeat. It's it's all about the result for me. I don't care about my salary cap. I don't care about my my contract structure. If if the result will end up helping my team, I want that result. Okay. So Matt, same question to you. Like obviously you're not in a position right now where you're you're not a con- you're not considered a favorite to win this year. I'm sorry, Matt. What? <laughs> So uh, are you are you going to just throw away that that cap to to try to get some trades done and acquire some players or is it something you're going to try to hold on to this year to give yourself some flexibility or more leverage? Um I mean I want to keep it I don't want to spend it all. I mean I, I definitely want to keep myself in a good position. Free agent pool next year is strong, to quite mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. But there's also that factor of like okay, I'm clearly rebuilding. My draft last year I struck out I struck out looking like on three pitches down the middle. So, you know, I've got to hit the draft. I want to be competitive, but I have to be realistic. So I'm still going to be looking for value. But if I can get a player that can become a core piece of my team that I have to pay a lot, I'm not going to be shy about doing that mm-hmm. because I need those players. And, and whether it's draft, whether it's trade, I'm not going to pass on a trade because it's giving up some of my salary cap if it can make my team better short and long term mm-hmm. so if like during this next season you were you had some trades come your way and you ended up giving five or even ten percent of your salary away in trades you'll short yourself five or ten percent to try to build your team yes even if it means that you you clearly it it, it handicaps you you cannot compete this year mm-hmm. um, no problem you'll just without a doubt do that if it's the right player, sure. If it's the right hey, player. Ne- next year, you always have money freeing up. Right. And that's thing you can't that, that, look, that 5% you to look ahead. You regain next year. You have to look mm-hmm. ahead. You can't look too far ahead. But sure, if it's if I'm giving up 5-10% and it's a, you know, a strong player that's going to immediately help my team, which there's not many players that wouldn't help my team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing it. No question. So you're looking at you're looking at stack players in time. So if you have right. expiring contracts, the, the what your your biggest needs for that you're shopping for, um, obviously you're you're going to go and get guys to replace those players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and that's you like know. Dave. I, I mean, I traded him Keenan Allen towards the end of this year. I wasn't going to franchise him, paying him a lot. Mm-hmm. Dave was trying to make a run there, and and I felt that I, you know, got a good return for that why just run the season out this year past year i clearly wasn't competing so mm-hmm. um you know i was tentative on tyree kill he's a big contract guy coming into a tag year but you know with my mahomes you know there you go dave um that mahomes stack is what made me hold on to him and, and mm-hmm. i might have overvalued that a little bit but i feel like going forward i can you know use that piece to to help build the team and build the roster i want so you took somebody that you weren't going to be able to keep anyway, and you traded them and actually mm-hmm. got some return on them. I got a good return on them. Yeah, and I got I got like a few picks. I got a tight end that I needed badly. Um, and then I actually traded. I got MVS and Clark. I think me and you traded like that mm-hmm. same day. Picked up another pick for MVS who had, an ex, I think, an expiring contract or had two years left. Want, I want a refund, by the way. Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> he just He wasn't going to help my team, so... I got him from Dave and then was able to turn that. So my return for Keenan Allen was pretty good. By the way, can I make a quick statement? MVS is the whole reason why that 
like shotgun approach works works because yeah like i had four picks in the third and fourth round and if you are good at player evaluation or you're like halfway decent at player evaluation or you're able to see the writing on the wall for players that land in a good situation like Dion lewis two years ago i got Dion lewis for a hundred dollars because it was like okay we don't know who the running back is going to be for the patriots and this is the cheapest guy so i'll take him like yeah. every single player has value because of that, and then 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 he turns into a stud, and then MVS flashes, and I was able to sell him. Like that's the whole reason that trade worked because MVS had peaked in value, and that was a hot commodity I could sell quick. Like don't believe the hype. Like if you get somebody that pops out of nowhere, there's a reason. You know, it's very rare that that player sticks long term. There's so much turnover. Like get a lot of shots at guys, wait till they peak, sell them at peak value, you know, buy low, sell high, all that. All so that. You're telling me to sell Mahomes? Is that your message here? I would yeah. sell him immediately. I, I would absolutely sell Mahomes right yes, now. Yes. I, I thought will about give it. you no Derek Carr and $500. <laughs> tell, me, tell me how much higher his value could be right now. None. It can None. never be higher. No. Derek Carr and $500. But, I'm but telling the you, you're going to miss out the on thing is down. like. What what is your, and I'm not trying to just read like, what's your return for Patrick Mahomes? Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck plus Aaron Rodgers has one year in his deal plus for a salary. Derek Carr, he's got three years left on his deal. I'm telling you, it's awesome. So like, yeah, that's but, the thing. Like, yeah, okay, Mahomes, I'm just, he's so I'm high. He's, you know, who wouldn't want Mahomes? But what can I realistically get for him? You could get anything for him. No, I can get anything I want, but how? It would have to be someone that, A, I like, that I value, with good term, cheap, and I'd probably need, you know, Mahomes is where, I mean, I can get anything, you're right. but The context is the big part. Mahomes is on a right. cheap rookie deal, right? right. So and I have it, no other quarterback. Right, and looking at that, it, it to me, it, it contracts kind of cut both ways. Like, they can be good or bad. So if you have a good contract, you have to expect, you kind of expect a good contract in return, right? Or you have to get a haul stud. Yeah, you right. Not necessarily. I mean, it depends on how you build your team. And, and I would but, take the haul. I would take the haul. I don't necessarily need, you know, killer contracts. But what haul is going to make me sell Mahomes? That, right. That's the question. And I haven't have seen to. one yet. Like, literally, but you, you know it when you see it. It's right. not about. That's what the whole thing. Like, it's not about your team, your roster construction. It's about how much value you can get in return. Like, mm -hmm. I'm okay if I've got, you know. 20% of my salary cap that's freed up. I don't have players. I have a shallow roster. I got yeah. one quarterback, but that quarterback's Mahomes. I'll sell him for Aaron Rodgers, Wentz, plus a stud receiver, plus a stud running back. Right. And that's the thing. Work. Like, if you sell Mahomes, you can get a you know another you know top 10, 15 quarterback plus. And then it's those other two guys you hit on that really turn your roster to, you know. Okay, so tell me this. Wouldn't you rather do that and get three players mm -hmm. that are going to produce rather than banking on Mahomes to continue this? Yes. What happens if he gets hurt? What happens if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? I mean, that's a could happen to anyone. That's the thing is, like, why... If you have that much that much of a value in one player, like why don't you deserve diversify? 
I do. And if I see an offer that I like, I'm going to take it. But the thing is, too, is that where I'm at, the rebuild, is there a better piece to rebuild around? If I don't get How much that are you deal, paying Mahomes? You can rebuild bucks. instantly in a startup. Right. So how are, you yeah, gonna no, get, how are you going to go for those players and not end up losing money salary cap wise? Like you're going to lose money, but it'd those be worth players. It. It'd right, fill three or four yeah, versus but, one because I don't have yeah, a running but, back, I don't uh, have man, a receiver. And so again, Mahomes, Mahomes going off for 30 points a week, though. Uh, I mean, you're gonna have to use two of those players just to cover that, then you have the other two to make up, you know, to you're to saying cover the now, difference. but his his production is why his value is so high, but his right. production is not going to get any higher, it's never going to be higher, right? Like, you he oh, he would he did what he did this year, and you can sell and capitalize on that. I've highly doubt that he puts up 30 points a game every single no. game of every single season for the rest of his life. No but way. people are going mean, to pay I, that price. Agreed. Agreed. But be able to trade a $300 20-point a, a week quarterback for four other people, you're going to have to have the salary cap space. And I do. Yes. And he does. So, and so I would what, do it what, in a second. What, he does, but I'm saying the average fantasy football player might not unless you take Dave's approach. Like no, I'm saying, like, like, how, how, how can you make... how? In any salary cap league, there's going to be someone like me who has Mahomes cheap, and there's going to be someone that has a lot of cap space and is able to take on contracts. You got to really be creative in salary cap. I get it because not everybody's going to be in this situation where you could just like, okay, yeah, I can absorb this, this, and this guy. I get it. But right, what what if what if with my be team, able to I think drafted like Mahomes that. in the rookie draft? I What's couldn't that? afford to trade. What if like in our league with my team? I drafted Mahomes in the rookie draft. I then couldn't afford to trade Mahomes for those players. See what I'm saying? Like, so what do you do if you're the team that ever paid for some players but got you lucky could, enough to draft Mahomes? You can you can package you could package a great contract with a bad contract or two bad mm -hmm. contracts. Right. So like you can get rid of Derek Carr and somebody else that you're overpaying because they're getting that other that right. yeah that's gem that's, like that's, that's where you dump somebody Derek and Carr. that's the way you do it. You you Derek wait until a guy peaks in value that's underpaid, and you get them to take the bad with the good, mm -hmm. because that's worth it in that do. player's eyes. Yeah, sometimes you just have to get rid of those bad contracts, and in in you have to pay to get rid of them. You have to look for the opportunity to do it. Right. And that's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, because if somebody wants Mahomes bad enough, and I've had this before, where you know I agree to terms with somebody, you know, in the chat we figure something out, and I say, okay, send the offer over. And then he sticks me with a shit player. You know, he throws a junk player in at the end. Like, a, I don't want this guy. It's a salary dump. But it's like, oh, oh by the way, you got to take this guy. It's a cheese ball move to, like, you know, we've agreed to terms and they cram this guy in at the end. But if you really want Mahomes bad enough, you're going to just, okay, whatever. I'll take this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, though, Matt, if you're, if you were looking at selling Mahomes, like a good rookie player, because I, do, do, do. I have Saquon Barkley in the same league. Mm -hmm. and it, it would take a king's ransom for me to sell Barkley. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it exists out there. I'm sure somebody could put something creative together that would really get my interest. But one of the things that I've, I've kind of in my mind have, have locked on is I have time with Barkley, the same way you have time with Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And so like Dave was saying, his value is an absolute maximum because when somebody acquires him now – they get him for that time. Like they, they're looking at it the same way you're looking at it. He's a cornerstone. Right. So if I was ever to consider trading away Barkley, 
I am thinking I need to get a guy. I, I, I'm thinking I need to get rookie players or something that banks time, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah because you can't just look at the stud players. You need that time. That time is invaluable. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that time and that contract, I mean, it's a cornerstone of your team for four or five years. So you've got to get that in return, too. And that's what makes it interesting, complicated, and probably unlikely that you're going to find a deal that feels like you're getting the right value for a guy like Barkley or Mahomes. Like Barkley or Mahomes for a bunch of veterans. If for right. Like if you're on a playoff run. Like Right. I, I don't think I'd sacrifice that, that young, cheap cornerstone player for long periods of time for a bunch of short-term expensive guys, just as rentals. Right. They'd okay, have to let's have term, let's put it to, to you a different way. What if I gave you a bunch of young, cheap, inexpensive players for, let's say I gave you four good, cheap, inexpensive players for one. If they were proven and good, sure. I, let's, say I gave you, players. let's say I gave you Lindsey, Tyler Boyd, and Travis Kelsey. No. Or somebody like from well, homes. I'm not no. I'm not trying to make a trade. I'm just saying like Yeah, it's just no. They have to it has to jump off and that's what it's so I think you'll know it when you see it. Has it. To jump off I the think page, maybe right? what yeah. I think that maybe the answer is yes, I'll sell when he gets to the last year of his contract. Yeah, but is his value gonna be that high? I no. think his, I think once somebody gets to the level Mahomes and Barkley is at, I don't right. think their value can go much worse because you can True. still, even if he was injured for the next two years, people are still going to be believing in what right. they saw in that one season. Of yeah, production. there's always going to be a market. Is the value the highest it's ever going to be today? Yes, but there's always going to be a Yeah, but when I guess that's a good point. When's the right time to sell? I guess the best time to sell would be when their last year of their deal is here. To you a know, contender. Somebody yeah. that for a rental, but you have to be careful with that too. Because someone like I mean, Mahomes, it doesn't have to be a rental. Price. People will pay just for the rights to a player, right? Because the tag price on Mahomes too, when he comes mm-hmm. up, it's going to be pennies. I mean, so it it's doesn't still nothing. And I mean, some tag like we were talking to uh, John Bosch. Some tags are way too expensive to keep, but just having the rights to a player, mm-hmm. you know, letting him test the market and then saying, "Oh, by the way, that's my guy," right? Is so, is but, worth it. Let, let me ask, since we have the Mahomes and the Saquon Barkley owner on here, what if it was a, a Barkley for Mahomes trade? Who would have to give the extra? He'd ha- I wouldn't trade Barkley's for Mahomes straight up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it on my end straight up either. No. So you would, well, both, you would both feel like you're owed something more? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But you know what, Matt? Here's why I think you're wrong. How many running backs are there in the league versus how many quarterbacks are there in the league that you want, like the absolute studs? Like, yeah, Mahomes well, was great. Do you yeah, think but let's, let's re- turn it this way. Fantasy, fantasy-wise, which is why we're here, what players have better longevity overall? Running backs don't stick around in the league unless you're Adrian Peterson. Yeah, but longevity doesn't matter in a salary cap. You only well, have a three-year window. Right. So okay. I think I got him for his window, right? So here's here's the question I'll pose to you. Do you think Barkley, three years of Barkley is going to be three better than three years of Mahomes or yeah. vice versa? Yep. That's what you have to weigh out. Yeah, I, I think it's value at the position. Barkley mm-hmm. would is going to produce better in Mahomes compared to the other players at his position. I could easily see Luck, Watson, and Rodgers producing the same amount as Mahomes. Yeah. And I don't easily. see I don't I don't see the Giants feeding another player as much as they do Barkley. Right. It, especially in a super flex context, 
I think I can put together two startable quarterbacks a lot easier than I can put together a stud right. like top three running back. Exactly. Yeah, those are a dime, those are so hard to come by nowadays. So. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. I, I was just curious about how the uh, positions might affect the trade offers there between the two really load paid, you know, studs in those two different positions. I will say like this, this is exactly like my point is that the, this trade doesn't happen because neither you guys need to make a trade. Right. I'm just saying like you, the trades in salary caps leagues that are, that are, are not taken advantage of are when there's a player obviously that has like a, a, a roster that obviously has a big hole or a big problem with it and nobody going to meet that need. Like that's when shit happens. Like that's when you get good value when somebody is not rationally thinking about their player values and their roster build construction and all that stuff. Like it's, you know, it, and having a guy that's on a cheap contract like that, like that's, that's literally the reason why you want to do that. You want to, you want to have a couple players like that. that are going to, you know, that are worth the risk to invest in. Cause honestly, like the one Oh one in a salary cap league, isn't the same as a one-on-one in a dynasty league. No, right. It's not. So, uh, Patrick Mahomes for Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Absolutely not. Like that doesn't even sniff. The doesn't return. even come close. No. That's especially for what you got to pay him. Yeah. You guys keep your romance. Yeah, on well, no, no, I was I was going away from you know salary cap right there. I was just saying those two players for that one player. Yeah, what kind of it. evaluation? Interesting. Okay, mm. I, I was just getting a feel for the Mahomes love there. Go ahead I don't. And, and here's the thing: like, I don't love him. I I agree, his value will never be higher. You know, he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. As a player, it's like, yeah, let's see it. Let's back it up. But as a dynasty league owner, a salary cap league owner. He's so valuable, and I love him. But, and I guess my big picture vision is I have Mahomes for a few years. I'm going to build a team, and he's going to be a, you know, a big piece of that. But, well, Dave brought up two good thing, two good points. Um, one of them was, you know, if you see somebody with a need, go and address that need. And kind of the two things that I keep in mind when I'm looking at trades is, you know, if there's an owner in in the league that isn't super active. I will approach them because maybe they're like a sit back kind of wait. They're a passive mm-hmm. guy. So you got to go to them. It's not that they're not engaged. It's just maybe they're not, you know, courageous or, or they just, that's just the way they do things. So I'll, I'll, I will, I'll go send them trades. If I think they got a need, like Dave was saying, I'll go, t- you know, knock on the door. Hey, I see you. Hey, you, you need some wide receiver help. I'm not dogging on your team, but just, you know, maybe I can help you out. And the other huh? thing I like to do in the leagues is there's one or two guys they're they're moving players all the time. You know, they're the seven eleven. They're always trade guys. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Dylan, yeah. Dylan, are you listening? Exactly. You know that. You know that. Yeah, Dylan. Right. <laughs> so you, you kind of keep them warm a little bit, right? Keep keep in touch with them. Respond to them. You know, just I, I always want to know that if 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 I need to go shopping or if I have a player I want to put in the block. If you keep kind of those communication lines warm with that, you know, that seven eleven in your league. It, it's a go-to like it's a slump buster if you need one <laughs> and remember I if they that. live in south korea then you have to hit them on every platform that they're on all the social medias 
because it's yep. going to take a while for them to respond. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you guys send out the trade? I mean, if if you if you see something you're going to go after, Eric, let's you know, are, are you sending the offer? Throw it in MFL, boom, it's out there. Or are you going to try to like you know slow play them? What, what's your if if there's a trade that I want to make happen, I send it to the same person on every platform I can find them on. I'll hit them on Twitter. I'll hit them on MFL. I'll text message them. Our little group message thing that we do, I'll hit them every day like, hey, sent you a trade, sent you a trade, look at it, whatever. If you don't like it, hit me back with something. Like, uh -huh. don't just ignore it. Don't just say no. If it sounds like something that you're just not even – I'm not even close to what you're thinking, then say – thanks but no thanks like send me some sort of message back i hit them everywhere and i will even if they object the trade if i didn't hear something back to them i will hit them up continuously being like what's up what's the deal what do you want instead how can we make this work what who do you want who do you want to give me what talk to me son talk to me <laughs> give give me some sort of how close or far am i from what your ideal trade is here give me some sort of comeback yeah, the, the response, I, just getting a reply. I'm a naggy girlfriend. Come on, at least, the, at least give me a response. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, are you the, I mean, does your, like, tactic change with different people in the league? Yeah, I think we all, without naming names, you got the guys you're like, mm, you know, he's trying to run one over on me. Um, but, you know, I'm I, more of the passive, I'm, like. I'm pointing right now. I am I am pointing. <laughs> You can't um, see me, but I'm pointing. No, and honestly, it's not even anyone that we're talking with right now. There's for those there's of you on the podcast, like, he's pointing at Dave. <laughs> so, like when I, it was interesting because when I started, like when I took over this orphan, everyone was hitting me up, and like you can tell the dudes that are full out, like trying to see if you know what you're doing or if you have any clue in the world. But on the other hand, I'm doing that. By right the way, I still make I still make deals that are fair. Right. I might have been one of those guys. I might have been just yeah, no. shit to see if you and, knew what you were doing. <laughs> that's all good because I'm doing the same thing in a few other of my leagues now. Like you got to do it. Um, but yeah, I think it's the open lines of communication. We have the the group chat, and I, I'm always a, I don't like to put it in M MFL first because you might be able to get some more. Kind of like buying a car, buying anything. Like feel it out. What are we? Are we even in the same stadium here? What are you thinking? You like this guy, I don't like this guy, and you can kind of work that way. And then the few trades I've done, most of them have been done long before they go in MFL. You figure it out, you get it all done, then it's an MFL and you go. Because um, to not have that communication, you can't get a good read on someone, I think, as a, you know, being on that other side of it. It's not official till it goes down on the league page. You can say and agree to whatever you want outside right, of the league right. page. It ain't official till it reaches the league page. So there's no penalty for talking to somebody outside the league page. Right. You, f do your feelers, man. Yeah, Talk to everybody. Back to Clark, what you said. I'm the um, I'm not that guy that's like constantly knocking on doors to do trades. I, I kind of wait for the people to come to me. Um, and I, I think it's just a little gun shy and a little trying to find an identity for my team too. But, you know, I'm not the most aggressive, like – aforementioned people that are just like constantly trying to you mm -hmm. know trade you you know junk i guess this is the way to put it yeah yeah i call them pirates really yeah. 
Yeah. The guys who, you know, try to send you the worst trade offers, like you have been asleep for the last 20 years. And the worst is not only do they send them, it's the guys that try to talk you into them. Like or it's a good deal. Convince you that your players are horrible, that, you right. know, this guy's terrible. You should trade them to me. Right. Oh, the, yeah. the more the trade offer talks, the worse the trade is they sent you. Yeah. Well, maybe. So, Dave, I mean, yep. any tactic, your tactics change depending on the situation, don't they? Yep. Depending on the player. <clears throat> you want to know how, like, how I approach it, though? Well, I mean, you're changing it for different guys in the league, right? Like, well, it is. I'm not saying, like, my, my, it's like the end goal changes, yes. But, yeah. like, my approach never changes. Okay. And like my approach, like let's say I, I identify, uh, I identify an opportunity. My approach is always make a fair offer up front. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to screw them over royally. I'm doing what I think is in the best interest of my team. Like, but it's fair to them. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to burn a bridge. Like I'm okay with winning a trade and I know I'm going to win a trade and I'm even okay with telling the person, like, I understand I'm getting the better end of this, but here's how it makes sense for you. Just, just a reminder, perfect time that Dave sells cars for a living. So (laughs) I had to, I've been doing it. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, you. working in the car business for a long time and Dave will probably understand this. For those of you like go to buy a car or buy anything, the more you think you're getting a good deal is the more you're getting royally screwed over. Shut like up. if you Get if you here. walk out of any no, and it's, it goes for anything I, I in, work life. in the car industry as well, if you're you, hundred percent correct. If you walk out of a furniture store or a house, whatever it is, and you're like, Man, I just got a killer deal on this, you are getting you got pounded. You got <laughs> it's not like yeah. it's no, honestly like no. can I, I just can bought I just, a car. I thought I got a great deal. Hey, oh, can I yeah, just say no, this is like totally off topic? Can I just say this totally <laughs> this is totally off topic, but you know that's not true i don't say i don't i don't i don't think it's true because it's not wrong to make a profit no it's not i don't think it's wrong like you go to walmart and you buy a a a sticky note it has a 75 percent markup in it sure i don't think like i don't walk out of walmart spending two dollars thinking i got really screwed but i in but in in perspective like it's not the most important, like the biggest investment in my life or second right. biggest investment in life. And that's where I understand how it is because it can affect like $2 isn't going to break you for the next five years and a car can. Mm-hmm. I get that. Or a bad contract um, can. There's so much information out there though to protect the consumer that right. like I have never felt like I have totally screwed somebody over. No, and I haven't either. But it's that perceived that you screwed somebody no, I over. No, I've I've made money. <laughs> yeah, on a deal. You know, that's the thing. But there's a perceived value, giving, right? If you if you go into Walmart, I'm just giving you shit. I'm in yeah, the Walmart. I'm a Honda master technician. I know how it goes. It's cool. I work at a Honda dealership. Well, Honda has like a two hundred dollar exactly. profit margin. So uh, Honda is ridiculous. Our sales yeah, Honda is falling. It's like getting it's getting butts in the seats and cars on the road so they can come in for warranty work. 
No, like, it's so oh my come God, in for the... our warranty is ridiculous. You're new right. New oil filter, rotate. New oil filter, Sorry. rotate. Hey, we're off topic. So, <laughs> yeah, we are off topic. <laughs> we're very far. Is this something okay, that's So, like, I was talking about my approach, right? I was yes. talking about how I approach. <laughs> I hijacked that one. Like, how you, you never... You raise, <laughs> all right, so here's... here's... Yeah, yeah. All right, like number the... one rule for trading. Don't be a dick and don't send stupid-ass offers thinking that you're going to leverage the situation like i'm telling people to do make a fair offer not a stupid offer like that's why you can't be married to your players because you have to be willing to give guys that have value for guys that have value so i got an offer let's just put it as an example i got an offer this morning actually it wasn't an offer i got somebody hit me up saying hey uh is michael thomas available michael thomas is the most valuable player on my entire team and he said, well, just let me know what it would cost. And I'm like, all right, well, you see, you're, number one, you're approaching me to take the most valuable asset on my team, and you want me to make an offer to you? Right. So I sent him over. Sure, I'll take um, Keenan Allen, the 104, Dallas Goddard uh, for Michael Thomas. And this is a tight end premium league. He's like, I I don't want to give up one of my top receivers. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's how you don't make a trade offer. Like if I'm going to make, I'm like, oh, I'm okay with losing a deal. I'm okay with making it, you know, whatever, if it makes sense for my team. And I'm okay with being realistic with the person and being fair up front and making a fair offer because you don't want to burn a freaking bridge. Like, we're all in these leagues to have fun. Mm-hmm. It's not fun when somebody gets screwed and when you have the reputation to where you are not the one you want to be trading with. Like you don't want to win a trade so badly that they feel like they're an idiot and they never want to talk to you again because it just screws the whole league up. Well, maybe so I should do an fair. Like, you know, public service announcement. Don't be that guy that sends the stupidest trade offers. Like, you know, assuming that the other person is com- a complete moron because it's insulting. Don't be that guy. Because there's always. So what, do you, what do you do when you get one of those stupid trade offers? Do you just oh, like, let no, the guy know, long. like, hey, no, don't, be, don't be an idiot? Or do you resend him <laughs> no. a stupid ass trade offer the no, other you, way? You string them along and make them feel like, ooh, like, all right. Like, you know, that's what I like to do because I'm just a prick but um i don't know but then, I like like, to, it's a, different a when i'm gets done and they don't learn though so if, like, I'm if, the you owner, send, if you send back another stupid ass trade offer again they don't learn if you send back a legit one they think they're getting reamed because they're not getting the best of you How i don't do you, think they're gonna learn you be honest with people yeah, yeah. like hey you just tell them like, hey, that's yeah. not even anywhere close and i'll be honest with you that's a little insulting it's different for me because I commission most of my leagues. <laughs> so I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to piss somebody off. Right. Be that commissioner that then insults somebody insulting you. <laughs> like you're an idiot for not making this deal. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad you're I've in our got, league. Did you I've gotten the league? dumbest trade offers yeah. before. And I'll sit there and I'll be like, this is a really idiotic trade offer. So I'll be like, fine, I'll give you my kicker for your starting running back. Fuck dumbass. And then I'll send that. Like, yeah, except that idiot. 
and then all trade offers completely stop with that guy. So clearly not the best way to go there. But it's like you just private message will be like, hey, I'm not dumb. I know what I'm doing. If you want to actually trade this player or trade for this player, we can work something out. But typically these people kind of think that they're doing a legit trade offer. Well, like Matt said, like when you first get into a league and, you know, it did sound like Matt was kind of, uh, you know, teasing stuff, some stuff that's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get the newbie in the league and I understand garbage offers. We've all gotten them, you know, the garbage offers. It's one thing to say, look, you know, not even close, you know, try again later. And if they kind of ease up and, okay, you know, this guy knows what he's doing and they, they start, you know, okay, I, I'm not going to send somebody – I don't want to lowball somebody with an insulting offer, but I'm obviously going to send them a trade offer that's maybe less than I think is perfectly even value, just to see if I it happens. But I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to send them something that's insulting. You know, I want to try to get a, a lower price, but I'm not going to try to insult them. But if somebody keeps sending you those offers over and over and over again where they're insulting, then I guess Eric, what you're saying, it's like, okay, you know, this guy doesn't take the hint. He's always lowballing everybody. He's a pirate. Just, you know, clearly you're not going to get a square deal with a guy. You, you kind of got a, you know, kicker for starting running back kind of an offer, right? Give them a chance to change their ways. And if they don't, you know, you know, one thing I found is making a league wide post like, hey, uh, there's been a lot of stupid offers being sent out there. Uh, can we actually make this league legit? Can we stop being stupid people trying to find stupid stuff? You know, if you want to rummage through garbage, go check the free agent wire and like just type put something out there on the league message board and be like, for example, and then include some of the trades that have been offered. Mm-hmm. And j- it just shame the guy passive aggressively. And people were like, who's doing that? Those are some stupid trades. That's idiotic. Who would do that? And you'll get a lot of those comments. I found that can kind of stop the guy because I called somebody out on that before and they were so embarrassed. It was hilarious. All right. We, we probably got to wrap this up guys. Um, you know how long it's going to take me to edit this shit. It's going to take you a long time, <laughs> long time. Um, oh. I was going to ask you guys for like worst or best trades, you know, give me a, like a quick one minute worst or best trades. Dave, do you think we had time for that? Sure. All right, let's start with you then. Like the the worst or the very best trade you've ever made. I'm I'm gonna say the worst worst and best trade I have made. Not offer, but like the worst. Let's say okay. Like it actually went down. Not an offer, but it actually went yeah. down. Yeah, one that went yeah. down. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm gonna say, and this is this is like first year I ever played fantasy. This is the year that uh, Peyton Manning. I think uh, they won the suit. Yeah, I think they did actually win the Super Bowl this year with the Colts. I traded Cedric Benson for um, uh, what's the that guy's Dallas Clark. I had so I had um, I had drafted um, AJ Green. He blew up. I had Peyton Manning. He killed it. I had um, Marvin jo- Marvin Harrison. He was killing it. And I was a shoe in. I had like the highest points scored in the league. But I didn't have a great tight end. So I used Cedric Benson, who absolutely blew up. 
I traded him for Dallas Clark, and I had all of the uh, Indianapolis Colts because they were the absolute best offense. They had he has scored like fifty touchdowns that year. In the championship game, they all sat after the first quarter. I oh, lost. No. Worst <laughs> trade ever. And I only lost by like four points because I had Romo and he was going off that year. That was the absolute worst because if I didn't make that trade, I would have won the championship. And that was the first year I played fantasy. So it was it was really shitty. Um, best trade? Um, crap. I think I've got to kind of think about that. I want to say, actually, you know, it, it happened this offseason. I traded um, Adrian Peterson in the Dynasty League and a first-round pick for Le'Veon Bell. That, like, that, straight up. Like, yeah. that's it. Adrian Peterson, one-year wonder, last year of his deal, 34 years old, and a first-round pick for Le'Veon Bell in a Dynasty. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Eric, what about you? My best trade, I traded. I, I'm gonna have to go with this year, and it's another Le'Veon Bell. I traded David or David Johnson for Le'Veon Bell. David Johnson, 1600 salary cap. Le'Veon Bell, 2200. But Le'Veon Bell has the lower uh, contract year, so after next year, I can restrict free agent, get him hopefully at a lower price. I think he's gonna go somewhere. He's gonna do pretty well this year, next year. My worst trade. Um, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm a rather short guy. I'm 5'8". I'm white. Uh, very little athletic ability. Danny Woodhead is my favorite player of all NFL time. He's the best NFL player that has ever existed. I traded... God, I forgot what stud running back it was. But I, I traded who turned out to be a stud running back for Danny Woodhead because Danny Woodhead was the man. He's the man with the Patriots. He's the man with the Broncos. Danny Woodhead was legit. I had him on a dynasty team looking forward to having him the very next year before he retired. And I cried when he retired. I love Danny Woodhead, but I traded for Danny Woodhead and he was never a stud, but he was the little guy that would go out there and catch the ball and his little white boy. And he would get murdered every time he was tackled but he was a champion in my heart. But statistically, <laughs> he was the worst trade I ever traded for. Champion in my heart. Oh, all right, Matt. Uh, the worst trade I ever made was a couple months ago. Um, I bet Dylan, I think, Steelers fan. Dylan, I a, yeah, I bet him a second round pick that the Patriots would beat the Steelers and lost. So, yeah. Um, the best trade I ever made was offing living on Bell's contract and getting David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, so and, getting a, and getting a and getting a top losing five a bet. Yeah. You gave, a, you gave up a, a pick for nothing. That was your worst trade. And your I best get, trade was my best. Yeah, I got a top trade. five pick and a and a rejuvenated running back. And you've got tired legs <laughs> and a new new team. That's great. <laughs> and that's why trades are awesome because you think it's the the best? You think it's the yeah? Another one of Bill Belichick's genius finds. 
Yeah, no, yeah, he was great, probably because of Bill Belichick's scheme. I mean, he went to Denver. He was pretty good with Peyton Manning, but San Diego, Sandy freaking Diego, dude. San Diego. Yeah, he was the man for a couple years. He was in Denver too, though. With running back three in San Diego, Danny Woodhead is like the white Darren Sproles. He's better. Also, San Diego. I want Darren Sproles. (laughs) He's better than Darren Sproles. I love Danny Woodhead, man. He is my all-time favorite NFL player. You should and get a shirt that says, I love Woodhead. Quickly, I, quickly I, on another... Um, I'm going to make my wife make one. Quickly on another worst trade. So this year, I forget who it was with, but I traded. like It was early in the season. Straight up, I gave up Darren Sproles, and I got Will Disley. And literally the next Sunday, both of them got hurt and put on IR. So like it was a completely <laughs> Complete zero watch. trade. We were both excited about it. We both felt good about it. <laughs> and literally that Sunday, both of them got hurt and went on IR. Well, that that kind of is like my worst trade. I before this season started, you guys remember early in the year there was kind of like a little uh, like a news blurt that Kareem Hunt was involved in an altercation. I heard something about that. Yeah, and I, I got a huh. little whisper of that, but then it didn't like boil over until later in the year but i heard a little blip about that like it must have been just around draft season and so i i got rid of him i'm like oh shoot you know this is bad and so i traded it salary cap league you know i'd still had cream hunt on my rookie deal so i traded cream hunt for the franchise rights to lev bell devonta freeman and a first round pick and we all know lev bell doesn't play devonta freeman doesn't get me anything and ended up having a spend the first round pick because I'm trying to repeat and it was a waste and it was horrible. So it was like what you're talking about. It was zero. It was a zero sum trade. No, he didn't play. Well, yeah, you traded a a running back that didn't play for essentially a running back that didn't play, but you also got a first round pick and play and a first round pick that didn't help me. So yeah. Who'd you get with a first round pick? Well, it ended up being a late first round. That's use your error at that point. You could have ended up awesome. It was bad. It was bad. But <laughs> one of the best trades I ever made involved getting Kareem Hunt. So I traded. What was it? I got I got rid of a Des Bryant contract. I got rid of Des and Ezekiel Elliott. This was just when there was rumors of Ezekiel Elliott's upcoming suspension, and mm. so I traded Zeke and a, a fat bloated Des Bryant contract for Kareem Hunt, Mike Evans, two first round picks, and Hunter Henry. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing was, is this was early on in when I started playing with this other league. And so naturally, I, these guys, you know, they're coming at me trying to make all these crazy picks. And I slow played them for a month and a half. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do these trades. So I ended up, you know, trading these picks to those guys. And, uh, yeah, I'm still laughing. But whatever. Can I get in that league? <sighs> Needless to say, they don't take try to take advantage of me anymore. <laughs> so. uh, it's great getting into a league and somebody tried to take advantage of you, but you actually know what you're doing, so you take advantage of them. <laughs> kind of their role reversal. That's yeah. the best feeling. So that's all, that's all I got for you guys for trades. Cool. Is that <laughs> it? Because I feel like we could do three more hours. I mean, if we're going to really broad stroke this... <laughs> Dave unpacked a lot in in when when he prepped for the Bosch interview. Um, yeah, Bosch was fun to talk to. I wish we had like hours and hours and hours with him. 
I'm sure, and he would go on for hours and hours. I just can't do yeah. that during the week. Yeah, yeah. He, hey, he I want to get I want to get him on. I want to get him on again. Uh, he's.